Hello, I'm Ron Bernthal, and the program is Borders. As we reach midsummer, many of our regional cultural venues are deep into their outdoor and indoor programming, especially in the Mid-Hudson region of New York State, where both sides of our majestic river offer wonderful day or weekend opportunities for our listeners in southeast New York, northeast Pennsylvania, and northern New Jersey. Victoria Larson is the founder and publisher of the website SideOfCulture.com, a treasure of information for those looking for interesting cultural venues to visit and cultural events to attend. During a recent phone call with Victoria, she told me why she decided to showcase the Hudson Valley region in a current edition of Side of Culture and how she came to name a website. Hudson Valley just really appeared because that's where things are happening right now. And it just so happened that we could do uh, church and the Olana, um, his house, and the Thomas Cole house all in one. Linda was going up there, and then Catherine wanted to do the, the arts, the dance that's happening right now in the Hudson Valley. Because that's the summertime is when this is happening, and there's a really, uh, is when the dance is happening in the Hudson Valley. Um and then in the, the Olana and the Cole combination was really nice because they've also got this um, joint exhibition right now called um, Cross-Pollination, and they're so close to one another that it makes a lot of sense to cover them at the same time. The arts and the community and all of this that we do are, are kind of the sides on our, um, on our main meals. You know, like you order your main meal, and then you like a side of this and stuff of that and a side of this and I feel like the arts are sometimes those delicious sides and the sides of what make you know a meal really tasty make it really fun right it's it's often the sides that are really the the good parts of the meal and so I um that's what so basically I look at life like a plate a plate of food and the main meal is when you're you know you're busy hectic life you're doing your work you're doing all the things you need to do and then the sides are like those delicious tidbits like arts and culture and the things that you enjoy doing with your family and friends. And so that's why I call it Side of Culture. One of the musicians playing in this clip from a Debussy cello concerta is Sophia Chow. Chow is known as one of the most dynamic and versatile young musicians in the country, and she also happens to be the director of the Chamber Music Series at the Stissing Center in Pine Plains, New York. Miss Chow was happy to give WJFF Radio a brief history of the historic building. So the Stissing Center was formerly known as the Memorial Hall of Pine Plains, and it has always been a place for community activities. When it was built in 1915, it was used for movies, concerts, square dances, minstrel shows, 
and even sending soldiers off to war and receiving them when they came home. Then in 1935, it was converted into a movie theater that was in operation for 30 years. In the 70s, it was subdivided and rented for coffee shops, hair salons, offices, and laundromats. Then in 2014, almost a century after it was built, as you can imagine, the building was crumbling. After, um, and then three local supporters bought the hall to save it from demolition. The goal is to restore the building to its former glory. And after five years of construction, the Citizen Center opened in late summer 2019. They did a sensational benefit concert with Wynton Marsalis. And we finally decided to open the hall for performances in 2020, and then the pandemic hit. So we actually produced four chamber music concerts and digitized it and broadcast it with, to our subscribers. Now, a month ago, on June 27th, we finally opened our door to the audience for the first time since the pandemic, and thus began our official 2021 concert season. And speaking of the upcoming 2001 events at the Stissing Center, Ms. Chow offers us a glimpse of what this lovely venue has in store for visitors. There are a lot of different genres of concert event going on for the next four months. As part of the chamber music series, which I direct, we're welcoming the Israeli-American pianist and conductor Benjamin Hochman to play a piano solo recital on August 13. Benjamin is a phenomenal musician, virtuosic pianist, and he's on faculty of Bard College Conservatory of Music. And on the same note of a piano recital, on October 3rd, another faculty of the Bard Conservatory, Shai Wozner, will play the complete Diabelli variation, which is one of the most um, monumental works by Beethoven. Now, the goal of the Chamber Music Series is also to support young professionals who are trying to make their war, uh, way out of the world. Therefore, in September, we're inviting two young musicians from the Carnegie Ensemble Connect program to perform a violin, clarinet, and piano trio recital. Now, on the other hand, we also have Lucky Five, an original swing and gypsy jazz band, as well as the Misty Blues Band in September. And in October, we actually host uh, a square dance party with a live band. And in November and December, we programmed a blues guitar duo, a country fiddling concert, and a holiday dance party with the jukebox junkies. In addition to music-only events in the Hudson Valley, there are also dozens of dance performances in every corner of the region. 
Catherine Tharon is a choreographer, a writer, a dance teacher, a dancer, and a dance choreographer who has spent many years working at New York City's well-known 92nd Street Y. After writing a piece for Side of Culture about dance venues and performances in the Hudson Valley, Catherine Theron came to a few conclusions about some exciting summer, fall, and 2022 dance events. What was most apparent to me was how many dance organizations were founded in the last few years, including Chelsea Ainsworth Arts on Site, Residency and Retreat, Stephen Petronio's Petronio Residency Center, Lumberyard, and the Hudson Valley Dance Festival, uh, as well as all those are on the west side of the river, and on the east side of the river, Jonah Cares, the Hudson Eye. In addition, PS21 has a new executive director and curator, Elena Vicianco, who is programming a, a varied um, performing arts offering. What is happening in August and into September with performances is at the um, Modern Accord Depot, which was founded by Chase Brock, the Broadway choreographer, and Rob Berman, conductor. It's uh, primarily, this is primarily a residency center, but the some of the residencies will perform their, or give showings of their work. They're not performances. They're works in progress. And um, for those of of you who would like to attend those performances, you just need to go online, Modern Accord Depot, and um, request an invitation. The other, um, so I think that's basically it on the west side of the river. Hudson Valley Dance Festival is on hiatus this year. It's really a redux of the Fire Island Dance Festival, but that's on pause as well this year. So 2022, look for that festival. Um, Stephen Petronio's Crow's Nest, Petronio Residency Center, is a very generous residency center. They uh, host companies and and performances are, are not presented. Now, at Lumberyard, Adrian Willis this year decided that the venue should only provide um, technical rehearsals for artists uh, due to COVID. And next year, they'll begin again with performances. So some places are on on, um, hiatus and others um, continue. So there's more performance on the east side of the Hudson River. Uh, including Kotzbahn. Kotzbahn has a very robust upcoming festival, and you can um, access that, of course, by going to their website. But coming up in August, August 28 and 29, there's choreographer Gemma Bond, Royal Ballet and American Ballet Theater, and then Claire Davidson, who's also American Ballet Theater. She's in the core, and she's an upcoming choreographer. And then Lauren Lovett, who's a principal dancer with the New York City Ballet. So those three ballet choreographers will perform the weekend of August 28 and 29. Then September 4 and 5 is a free um, festival of music and art. And on September 11, there's a 4 o'clock matinee screening 
of the new um, George Balanchine movie entitled A Retrospective of the Prolific New York City Ballet Choreographer, George Balanchine. And then there's one other date on September 12th. Moving um, nearby is Bard, Summerscape. So Bard presented Pam Tanowitz and Jesse Montgomery. It's a fabulous, beautiful dance over a weekend in July. And unfortunately, and this was the first time that dance was curated, uh, presented out of doors. Unfortunately, it rained heavily. So there were two performances on one Saturday, and it was glorious. And I really hope that Gideon Lester, the, the curator, tries again next year. Miss Theron would not rest until she mentioned Hudson Eye, one of her favorite public dance programming organizations located in, where else, Hudson, New York. The Hudson Eye is an artist-driven 10-day annual public program and urban showcase with a focus on dance, music, performance, film, and visual art. The Hudson Eye has programmed a very robust festival. There are... In addition to dance, which I'll get to in a moment, there are indoor exhibitions and public art at around 12 different um, venues in the Hudson area. And then there are conversations called Hot Topics Hudson. One example is conversations on the black experience in New York State. There's also music. But the dance performances, there is one on August 7th with uh, featuring two up-and-coming artists, dance artists, David Northworthy and Monet Noel Marshall. August 30th, a Hot Topics Hudson, local dancers in Hudson, New York, uh, discuss their experience. There is another dance performance on August 30th featuring Skyla Schrader. There's another dance performance on September 2nd featuring New York State Dance Force, I think that's, that's about it for the dance. But uh, what I do want to say also is that most of these venues are very aware of local community and support local community. Also uh, provide free tickets to those who can't afford the ticket, the ticket price and work very closely with the youth in the area. And I think that they make a big difference. In the, in the communities. It's a boon to the communities to have these venues. The only missing nugget in this segment on cultural venues in the Hudson River Valley are houses of historic significance. And as a hint for all the historians out there, we just need to think of two names, Thomas Cole and Frederick Church. Both men were painters, both men worshipped the Catskill Mountains, and both lived in Hudson River towns just three miles apart. To provide more context, I asked Linda Cabison, a travel editor and writer friend, for an overview of the Thomas Cole House in Catskill, New York, and the Olana Estate in Hudson, New York. Well, Cole, although he was born in England in 1801, came to the United States, and he decided that the American landscape was an important subject for expressing American identity. He rented a painting studio on a farm in the town of Catskill, west of the Hudson River, and this was a way for him to explore the area. He loved it. He painted it. 
1836, he married Maria Bartow, a niece of the farm's owner, and he moved into the house that people now visit. It has a spectacular view of the mountains, and it constantly reminded Cole of the magnificence of the American landscape, and in particular, this area. He painted other things, but he loved it. Now, Church, Frederick Church, was born in Hartford in 1826, and he came to coal in at the coal, what's now the coal site, to study with him between 1844 and 1846. He was very precocious. He came to love the Hudson Valley, too, and to see this as a precious landscape. He worked in New York, but he ended up buying farmland on top of a slope in 1860. He got married, and eventually in 1870, he built Olana. Even though Church traveled around and painted things other than the Catskills, I think they were his touchstone landscape, and he was very concerned with preserving the beauty of the place, and it was inspiration for him, no doubt. He had a studio in Olana. So these are very special places. They're three miles from each other, and you can actually walk between them now since, since 2019 because the Hudson River Skywalk opened, which goes along the Rip Van Winkle Bridge. So people can really make quite a day of it and see the houses of painters who were the leaders of what came to be called the Hudson River School, even though they painted things off beyond the, the Hudson Valley, but this was where many were based and it did inspire them. For more information on Hudson River Valley cultural venues or for venues in other regions of the country, log on to sideofculture.com. I'm Ron Bernthal, and this has been a Borders podcast on WJFF Radio Catskill.